Yeah, actually, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> yeah. All right, this show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. John, we give that lick a spin. <laughs> Welcome to Dexplanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. Weirdly, a lot of people lately have been calling me Stone Cold Steve Dexter. <laughs> I looked some stuff up on Wikipedia, watched some YouTube about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. What's good, David? Uh, everything is good, Kiefer. <laughs> How are you doing, Kiefer Sorensen? What? Kiefer, Most of us call you these nobody's days. ever called me Kiefer before. I remember a specific story from where this stemmed from, and I definitely remember the origin of this nickname <laughs> and how often it gets used. Uh, anyway. What are yeah. we going to learn about, Kiefer? <laughs> the Coriolis effect. Yeah, this is a cool one. This, <laughs> a lot of people get really confused about this one, especially when it comes to toilets. Yeah, yeah, exactly, especially as it comes to toilets. We're saving that for the very end. Teaser. Teaser. Toilet teaser. The Coriolis effect describes the apparent motion of an object when viewed from a rotating reference point. So it was like first described mathematically by Gasparov Gustav Coriolis. I'm sure that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> that was precisely how you pronounce his name. In 1835. Honestly. Wow, that's relatively late. I would have thought that would have so taken too. place earlier in the Enlightenment. Yeah. Honestly, that's... Well, man. throughout the research of this episode... I was really surprised at how late people were accepting that the ro Earth rotates at all. Yeah. Isn't it kind of like essential to the Copernican understanding of the solar That's system's what I thought. mechanics? That's what I thought. But it was like the 1830s, 1850s, and people well, were like coming up with like, ways to show the layman. Oh, my goodness. Um. Anyway, yeah, let's get into it. So the go-to example of the Coriolis effect is throwing a ball on a merry-go-round. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good example. Yeah. So like you and your friend are sitting on a merry-go-round, and you get it spinning counterclockwise. And when you throw the ball straight at your friend, you will notice that the ball appears to curve in its path, and you will miss them to the right. Yep. But if you're like hanging out on a tree above like the merry-go-round watching the same thing happen the path of the ball wouldn't appear to curve at all yeah it would you would see that the it went straight yeah it because went, it's a relative effect yeah you would see the ball fly out the thrower's hand at a tangent to their sideways momentum and the path that they threw the ball because when you're going around a circle you're always basically going straight away like and then you're being held in. Right, basically. Yeah, it's the it's the idea of angular momentum. So, so yeah, yeah, you're always traveling. That's centripetal force right there. Exactly. And so the difference between that line and the line that you threw the person the ball is the line that the ball, ball will take. actually travels on. Yeah. Okay, yep. And nice. so it only appears to rotate. 
Right. To those people in the, on the thing, rotating frame on the of rotating, reference. Yeah. yeah. So, Which but is if why you were hanging this, out above this it. ties great into centripetal force because so many people get this idea that a lot of people love to say that centripetal force and or centrifugal force, however you want to say it, centrifugal, um, but are not real forces, and they are mistaken. They're called or, fictitious, or they're pedantic. Um, and the reason I say that is because what they're essentially what they mean to be saying is it's not a fundamental force. And yeah. of course it's fucking not. We're not talking yeah, about no. physics. We're actually talking about mechanics. It has nothing to do with the four fundamental forces of the universe. From yeah. an engineering standpoint, it is absolutely a force. That's why it has to be reckoned yeah. with when engineering designs that Which encounter Which is why it. like calling it an apparent force just seems demeaning. It does. Because, because it's such it a real, real thing. Yeah, it's acceleration, basically. Yeah. Which also, again, isn't a force. But we call... But we measure it in G-forces. To move on, the Earth is actually one big rotating frame of reference. Like We're on a big merry-go-round, yeah, essentially. Basically, spherical the whole one. spherical one. Everything, including the atmosphere, rotates together with the Earth's rotation in an easterly direction. Right, but not uniformly, which is why we get some yeah, of the, the exactly. air effects that we get. Exactly. It takes one day for Earth to complete one eastward rotation. But because Earth rotates on its axis, the equator rotates significantly faster than it does closer to the poles. Yeah, not only because it's on its axis, but just because if you think about it this way, if you pick a point on the equator um, and do a 360-degree revolution, it has traveled a much, much greater distance yeah. than a, a, the picking a point in Alaska. If you're if you're actually and so it has to move faster. If you're actually like five feet away from the point of rotation of the Earth, then it only takes yeah exactly. It only takes twenty four hours for you to move five feet. Exactly. Yep. Or something kind of like that. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so it would be the circumference. So it would be five pi times, times the radius three, squared. Five times three point one four. No, the radius squared. Oh, yeah. So it'd be 25 times 3.125 or whatever. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, 24 hours to travel that many feet. Whereas on the, the equator, it's taking 24 hours to travel like, what, 25,000 miles or something? 22,000 miles? Well, and at the equator, because we were saying that it has to move further and it, so it has to move faster. Which is also why the Earth bulges and is not a true yeah. sphere. The equator moves so quickly it actually bulges outward. Mm -hmm. The equator spins eastward at around 1,037 miles an hour. But at the 45th parallel, the Earth is spinning at 733 miles per hour. Okay. Um, but like right near the poles, it takes like a whole day to basically walk in a circle. You know what I mean? Like right oh, where the I Earth get what spins. You're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it takes a whole a whole day for that patch, that point, to travel, traverse a whole uh, so like procession. It's, yeah, is if it's, what it's if, called. So, like, if we said if we're five feet away from the North Pole, then it takes, and it takes um, twenty five times three point one two five four. That's let's just round that down to three and say seventy five. So it takes it's traveling at seventy five miles per day. Yeah. Versus 1,030 or miles per hour. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nuts. 
Um, but like those differences in how long it takes the Earth to rotate cause like a bunch of crazy shit to happen. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. let's let's uh, start with snipers. Okay. Interesting. I... Yeah. Oh, we're um, talking about snipers. People firing guns over yeah. long distances. Okay. So yeah, snipers have to take the Coriolis effect into account when taking a long shot. Right. Which was kind of made popular with our generation through Modern Warfare. The, the video game. game. Yeah. Um, so let's say you're a sniper in the northern hemisphere shooting due north. So you're in the northern hemisphere and you're shooting north. Your bullet, as it gets closer to the North Pole, retains the eastward velocity it had near the east equator. So by the time the bullet reaches the target, it is moving faster than the target itself and will drift ahead of the target and you'll miss to the right. Oh my goodness, I never thought of the Coriolis effect that way. Yeah, yeah you are ma maintaining so like, the momentum of your origin. Because so if you're fired from the equator and you travel to the North Pole, let's say it's like you a You will actually be moving eastwardly faster, faster than, than the, Earth, the is Earth is rotating. Yes, holy cow, a lot faster. Dude. Yeah. Like if, you, if the distances are, are great. Yep. So the opposite happens if you were in the Northern Hemisphere shooting due south towards the equator. By the time your bullet would reach its target, the target itself is moving east faster than the bullet is traveling east. So you'll miss to the west or to the left from your perspective. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because the earth is kind of slipping past. Yeah, Should yeah. We? Okay. So this I is actually where now. we get to hurricanes. Okay. Like, uh, we're just getting to hurricanes right now. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So when an area of low pressure develops, the low pressure sucks in air from all different directions. Right. Makes sense. It's filling yeah. a vacuum almost or a, a relative vacuum. Yeah. And the same thing happens to the air than to the sniper's bullet. Like coming in towards the area of low pressure, air traveling away from the equator drifts ahead of the surrounding air while air traveling towards the equator falls behind the surrounding air. Okay. See, I, I only thought of the Coriolis effect affecting hurricanes once the storm has already formed in its direction of no, movement. I hadn't even thought it's about it in the, the formation air is being of it. Pulled like longitudinally. Right. Yeah, and it actually it, the Coriolis effect takes takes hold during the formation the of the storm of itself the, too. The velocity of the rotation of the Earth affects those particles of air and as they're taken closer or further away, away from, from the, the equator, equator they gain or lose velocity compared to the air that's already there right right and compared to the air coming from the opposite direction yeah um, no what i was saying is i didn't realize that it affected the formation of the storm too like what you were talking about oh yeah i was just thinking in terms of like you always see they always curve. You always see like mm -hmm. they never go in a straight line relative to us on the surface of the earth. When you look at a hurricane's path on one oh, of those storms, it storm always, wings, appears it always curve. curves. Oh, and yeah. that's due to the Coriolis effect as well. As well as the as storm well as moves the formation. north or away from the equator. Because yeah. hurricanes always move away from the equator. That's just what they do. Uh -huh. And they when actually they can't do it, even form on the equator. Nope, they can't. Exactly. They have to form just north or south of it. And um, when they do, they always move away from it, and they move in a curve away from it, and that's the Coriolis effect. And like we were talking about um, how when you're going away from the equator, you speed up. Relative to the Earth's Relative spin, yeah. to the Earth's spin, and when you're going away from the poles, you slow, slow down. down relative to the Earth's spin. 
That's why hurricanes in the northern hemisphere always rotate counterclockwise, and in the southern hemisphere, they always rotate clockwise. Okay. Which almost kind of brings us to the toilets. Yeah. But actually, before we get to that, we okay. have a few other things. Um, let's draw distinctions between hurricanes, cyclones, and typhoons. Oh, let's, because I've been confused by the news about this, because I thought I understood what each of them were, but then the news kind of screwed me up, because they seem to use them more interchangeably. Honestly, they're basically the same thing. But, uh, the difference is they call them different things based on which ocean basin they occur Exactly. In. That's what I thought. And so when people were talking about, uh, Hawaii being hit by a hurricane, I thought that that was a typhoon because it happened in the Pacific. Uh, well, here's the thing. And, uh, you can correct them after you hear this. In the Northern Atlantic and Northeast Pacific basins, they are called hurricanes. But in the Northwest Pacific Basin, they're called typhoons. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, if you, so if you were to draw Hawaii the Pacific be, Ocean into four quarters, Hawaii is in the Northeast for sure. Yeah. Um, and in the Indian Ocean Basin, they're called cyclones. Okay. Okay, um, so no, the news was accurate in calling that a hurricane. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you want to talk about Foucault pendulums? Oh, what now? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, Foucault pendulums, it's a French word, a French name. Okay. And I just absolutely destroyed it. I Probably. even heard it said right. I couldn't say. Foucault. What was it that I couldn't say last episode? Contemplatively? Uh, contemplatively. Vasodilator? <laughs> Vasilidator. <laughs> um, French physicist Leon Foucault created uh, the Foucault pendulums in 1851 and they were the first experiment to show simple and direct evidence of earth's rotation interesting okay yeah like people especially scientists more or less accepted that the earth rotated hopefully yeah that makes yeah. sense but the pendulums made it like super easy to demonstrate to common folk yeah you've seen them they're like they're like those huge pendulums you see in some science museums Oh, okay. Have you, have you seen those? Yeah, yeah, I've seen what you're talking about. Yeah. Basically, what's happening is it's just showing how the Coriolis effects works. Like, you get the pendulum going, and the ro the Earth rotates underneath the swinging ball, which causes the precession of the pendulum. Okay. So, like, Interesting. At, like you, get the, you get the pendulum moving... And then the earth rotates under the pendulum because the only thing that's keeping the pendulum going is the suspension from the ceiling. Right. And so it's just going in a, it's the Coriolis effect. So does that mean that they always try to line those pendulums going from north to south? That way you can observe the Coriolis effect most easily? I think east to west. East to west? Um, yeah. So like, here's the part I didn't know about it. What latitude the pendulum is at affects how long it takes for a complete cycle or procession to take place. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so like a pendulum at the equator won't have any procession and will stay going in a straight line. Right, yeah, Which is course. why I think it goes east to west. Because... But if, if it went if east it, to west, wouldn't it go in a straight line almost everywhere? Except it would take... No, it would just take a long time for a procession to happen. I think they do it north to south. So that it's gaining, um, it's gaining. Well, you mean, we both mean 
start at north to south. Yes. Or start at east to west. Yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. And I think it starts east to west, but you think it starts north to south. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's we move on. To figure this out. <laughs> we're not right now. Please, viewers or listeners, <laughs> help so, us out. A pendulum at the equator won't have any precession. We'll stay going in a straight line. But a pendulum at the poles takes 24 hours to do a full pr- procession. Wow. <laughs> I thought I could do it. Don't keep I thought I could do it. And a pendulum 15 degrees north or south of the equator takes 90 hours for a full procession. Wow, weird. Yeah. This is not at all what I would have That's kind of what I thought, too. But it kind of makes more sense when you realize that at the equator, it won't do any procession. Yeah. So, like, when you get closer to the equator, equator it takes... The less procession, the or less the longer pr- it takes. The longer it would yeah, take for does, a procession to happen. Sense. But, like, basically under 15 degrees... Intuitive? Basically, yeah, why is it not intuitive? But under 15 degrees, it basically doesn't process at all. Okay. Because the whole equator is basically moving around the same yep. same rate. All right. You want to talk about toilets? Yeah, let's talk about toilets and how people think that the Coriolis effect has something to do with them. Yeah, a toilet is about 12 inches wide. In diameter. Okay. In diameter. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people believe the toilets in the northern hemisphere flush in a different direction than toilets. In the southern hemisphere, yeah. Than the southern hemisphere. Um, Jonathan says it's a lot due to a Simpsons episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the one where they go to Australia and, yeah, it does that. Yeah. And uh, there's also a lot of other. I feel like it's just like it's just a part of culture. pop culture and lore these days. Thing. Yeah, largely because of the Simpsons. I, I would grant it that. It has informed a lot of pop culture, whether people realize it or not. But the reality is is that toilets and sinks are too small for the Coriolis effect to significantly affect. And the other forces involved just overcome this Coriolis effect completely. Like yeah, like how the, the water... Jets, the how jets the jet- are actually angled to a certain extent. They're meant to wash out the inside of the, the bowl. They don't jet down directly into it. They jet at an angle into it so that they curve around the bowl while they go down. And it's the angle of those jets that mostly informs which direction the flow goes. It doesn't have almost anything to do with the Coriolis effect. Yeah, exactly. Like, certainly, it is still present. Like, the shape of the bowl or if it's level or anything. Yep. Like, uh, why I mentioned that it was, like, like, a foot in diameter is because the Coriolis effect is actually a thing, but the... Water at the very tippy top of the bowl, as compared to the water at the very bitty bottom, um, is moving faster than the water at the bottom by about the same rate as an hour hand moves on a clock. Okay. Yeah. So Which is like, what I said. We're, we're like, so it's the just not significant effect, enough. Exactly. It is still present, but it's just not significant when faced with the other forces in like, play. Like, uh, in the small scale. Like, Dustin from smarter every day and what's his name from v- from veritasium derek derek from veritasium they had a shared video where they both had like a six foot pool that they set up in garages on both both uh hemispheres and at the same time after waiting like 24 hours to let the water sit they pulled a small drain 
And they did actually notice the Coriolis effect in that case because there was actually significant. And there's not other forces. Taken. There's not other forces. Yeah, there's not other yeah. forces in play like the the angle of the jets or things like that. And it's just large enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The scale is it's macroscopic enough. Also, if you don't watch those channels, Smarter Every Day with and Dustin Veritasium. and Veritasium with Derek, do. They're way, way, way just leagues more intelligent than us, and they explain really interesting things that Absolutely. make me smarter every day. Yeah, and Veritasium every day. If I could ever meet those guys, that'd be <laughs> awesome. So maybe this will become big enough that we can talk to those guys someday, and my dreams will come true. Dag. Um, you got anything else about the Coriolis effect? Hmm. No, I know on some other planets they get these things called Coriolis storms, which are kind of like hurricanes, but like they can swamp an entire planet. I didn't really want to talk about it because I don't really know much about it at all. But I think that the Coriolis effect could have some degree of responsibility for like the stripes on Jupiter and for like the fact that there are different. Oh, do you want to talk about a little no, bit about the stripes, on, about, no, no, the stripes no. on Jupiter? They're so cool. No, but so no, actually, nobody knows why they really happen. Okay, no, I know. I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to just put it on the Coriolis effect. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna say something different. It's cool. So what I was gonna say is what's cool. So there are on Jupiter there are zones and bands. Yeah. And um, they're layered on top of each other, which is what gives it that stripey pattern. The zones travel in, in one direction. directions and yeah in the yeah. exactly and the uh the bands travel in the opposite direction of the zones one of them travels counterclockwise to the planet's rotation and the other with or sorry opposite of the planet's rotation and one travels with the planet's rotation and i can't remember which is which but it's just really incredible and the the shearing forces that you would expect to encounter at the intersection of those layers would be phenomenal. It's like oh, a yeah. hurricane all well, the time, you know except like crazy? times a hundred. Apparently, it only takes nine days for Jupiter to make rotation. Oh wow! Like the Jupiter day is nine days, and it's fucking giant. Huge! It's enormous. Hopefully, I'm it's wrong. Basically, somebody a tell star. me if I'm wrong. But I, I heard that <laughs> Jupiter was had a nine day, nine. A nine-day day. Nine-day day. No, nine-hour day. Wait, nine-hour? Nine-hour day. Wow. Well, it is. It's a really energetic little sucker. Like, I, for instance, if you were to try and live on any of those moons nearby, one of your biggest concerns would be shielding yourself from the radiation output of Jupiter. Really? It'll cook you just like the sun. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. It's because of all the uh, what's called metallic hydrogen in it. It puts mm. off an enormous amount of radiation. I think that's part of it. Also, it, it, it's presumed to have a molten core, which probably has a lot of radioactive material. Okay. But really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I found what out. What do you got about Coriolis? Oh, no. This isn't the Coriolis storms. About actually. Jupiter? I, this remind me of, uh, you remind me of this with Jupiter's day. Since the discovery of Pluto... It still has not made a single rotation of the sun or circum. Oh yeah, rotation. Isn't it like whatever. a two hundred seventy year something? something I can't like remember that. how long it is, but we discovered it. I think in the nineteen seventies. No, no, thirties. It was like in 30s? the nineteen thirties something. Thirties. Thanks, but I can't remember when exactly. Jonathan raises fingers. Um. But yeah, it still hasn't circled the sun even once. 
Yeah. That time. That's nuts. All right, we're done. Coriolis effect. Coriolis effect. Coriolis effect. That's it for this episode. Dexplanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. If you want to support this show, go to patreon.com slash dexplanations or leave a review on iTunes. Likely, we got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or you just want to bullshit, hit me up at dexplanationspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. Oh, and as for you, you're just a really nice person. Thanks for being a homie. Bye now. Bye. Oh, man, I got my eye juices right up on that mic.